Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Right now, Aurora is in a unique window of opportunity. The city is about 160 square miles, roughly half of that developed, with an unprecedented opportunity for thoughtful growth. The Aurora Economic Development Council, a private nonprofit corporation comprised of the leading 100 companies in the Aurora Denver metro area, the city of Aurora, and Adams and Arapahoe counties is tasked with helping shape the future of the city. Today, we're joined by Yuri Gorlov, Vice President of the AEDC, and Jonathan Woodward, Director of Development for the AEDC. Thank you guys for taking the time today. Definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Dave. Glad Good to be, be here, Dave. Uh, Yuri, for those listening, what does the Economic Development Council do? Can you explain some of the things that the AEDC is responsible for? Definitely. Uh, I still have friends that have no idea what I do <laughs> uh, that have known me for a long time. So our mission is to help attract and recruit and retain primary employers. Uh, what a primary employer is, uh, is a company that employs people and uh, ships out a majority of their services or products outside the local economy. And so we help uh, them through a variety of services, uh, whether it be brokerage, development assistance, uh, connections with workforce. How we do that is through a myriad of services, and that's helping talk with real estate brokers, uh, working with site selection consultants, and working with our members, and working with the community, and working with a lot of folks that just have a, a piece of, of the puzzle figured out or, or are figuring it out. And we try to connect the dots and help these companies uh, come in here and make business better business decisions. That's a lot of moving parts. How is it possible to get anything done when, when you have so many different opinions, personalities, and agendas? Good question. It, it can be challenging at times, but uh, we look for partners who are looking for a common vision of Aurora, the growth of Aurora, the betterment of the quality of life for the citizens, the growing of economic opportunities in the city, uh, and really just fostering those relationships uh, with those partners. Because uh, at the end of the day, we want the city to be an amazing city to to really promote the values of the city and get the word out there that Aurora is a great place to do business and to live here as well. I mean, Yuri is a product of the Aurora public school system. He grew up here. Uh, I own a house here, so we have a lot of pride uh, in the city and, and what the city is becoming. What What are some of your impressions of that? You know, what, what does Aurora mean to you on kind of a, a visceral, emotional level? To me, Aurora is a not only a diverse city, but a city where real people live. I mean, real people live here. It's not just this sort of fake area and, you know, other states. Like, real people do business here. People came here from other countries as well. Like, people intended to end up here, and there's a lot of pride in that, I think, with the community and the residents and the businesses. Yeah, I'd say that it's a destination uh, and not just for businesses, for families, right? That's the identity I have with Aurora, that, that we came here as a family when I, went, when I went to high school and beyond. It's just a place where you can do a lot and create a lot of relationships and find great opportunities to, to work and and really just come to places like the Stanley Marketplace where we're sitting in right now and, and enjoy the quality of life that it has to offer. That's what it is. It's a quality of life proposition, not only economic 
economically and for your careers, but also for raising a family and and you know getting in, out to enjoy all the nature and everything that Colorado has to offer. Uh, and you add on to that this layer of cultural diversity and these amazing restaurants and and the people who you speak of who are absolutely dynamic and, and unique to the area. You really have a well-rounded experience, uh, Jonathan. You have a breadth of experience. Speaking of experience in city planning, connecting companies to cities, how would you describe the opportunity that Aurora has right now for growth and development? Is there a palpable excitement within the AEDC? There's a lot of excitement. I think coming out of the pandemic, um, we're seeing businesses who want to invest. Uh, we're seeing a lot of reshoring opportunities. So that's where companies would move their business over to a foreign country, China, let's just say, for example. Uh, and now they're looking to bring those activities back to the United States. We're seeing a lot of that in the manufacturing realm. Uh, and then also with renewable energy, there are a lot of opportunities there. So that's one thing that we're very excited about. The second, the the requirements have changed a bit. They've gotten bigger. We're getting requests for 50-acre sites, 100-acre sites, 900-acre sites. We even saw this year we had somebody asking, conducting a nationwide search for 900 acres. Uh, fortunately, we have that, but we're seeing the requirements getting bigger, and that's a great opportunity for Aurora because we have that. We don't have to change the narrative. The land is here. The opportunities are here, so it's very much in line with what uh, we've been seeing over the years. And there seems to be less friction uh, than there was during the pandemic. It was business as usual uh, for the majority of the time for us the last couple of years, but it was just a little slower, a little grittier, right? A lot of a lot of challenges, a lot of hardships, obviously, in a variety of ways. And now I think people just have a general sense of let's get this done and let's figure it out together and let's move forward and let's just try to be what we can be uh, and just make that make that happen in Aurora. Coming out the other side of the, of the pandemic, it seems there's an urge to make up for some of that lost time, uh, a mentality of full speed ahead. But, you know, recovery has uh, been stifled a bit by some economic concerns. Overall, are you experiencing a cautious optimism from companies and developers? And, and how much would a recession maybe harm progress in that? Yes. Great question. Uh, I think there is always some cautious optimism uh, in with, with the people that we work with. And I think it's a sense of uh, again, solutions oriented versus, oh, let's we're going to be afraid of some problems potentially coming up. And so, yeah, it, it does influence and impact the decisions being made uh, week in, week out. Uh, but for the most part, I think Aurora is well positioned and pretty resilient to a lot of macro level changes that are going on. Uh, of course, not, you know, any kind of inflationary uh, pressures. But I think we still have, like Jonathan said, a lot of opportunities to to hone in on and and continue to market, right? This is a great time for us as economic developers to to take advantage of potentially some slowdowns in, in the marketplace to then go target some specific industries, some specific businesses to say, hey, look at what Aurora has to offer. And, and maybe it won't be tomorrow, but if they come here in the next year to two to three, that's a job well done on our part. If I could piggyback off of that a little bit. So the, the prospects that we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing a level at an all-time high. We're seeing newer industries emerging, so inquiries from mm -hmm. newer industries that weren't really that big a few years ago. That being said, I think companies are a little slower now to make a decision, um, but we're still getting a lot of questions and inquiries about Aurora and what land and buildings we have. It does seem, though, that these emerging industries and these new companies that are looking for potentially big swaths of land and development could really change the economic competitiveness of Aurora and really make it a 
emerge as as you know a, an upper tier two tier one city in the future honestly that that changes uh, all of what jonathan just said changes the fabric of what we know aurora to be we have these anchors and i think aurora is poised to attract completely new models of, of doing business um, whether it's remote whether it's in person and and that's what we're all here about to, to attract i think it's it's in our nature as economic developers to be optimistic right mm-hmm. i mean we're we're there to 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 cut through the clouds find the sunshine uh, but also our job is to look for that next big opportunity so whether it's manufacturing renewable energy we're always looking for that next big opportunity companies have have pivoted their employee strategies to to a degree opting for more work from home options um, some eliminating expensive offices and focusing on quality of life for their employees has that pivot been beneficial to a place like Aurora when it comes to attracting companies and their workforces so I think with Aurora we've we're a working city during the pandemic most of our workforce was deemed either essential or because of the industry that they were in they were going into the office what I mean by that is manufacturing jobs, aerospace and defense jobs. You can't work remote in those industries right. or largely. Health, bioscience, healthcare, right? That's a very hands-on, in the workplace type of job. So we have not experienced that shift. Um, and I think that strengthens the case for our workforce that when companies want to move here, They've heard about companies like Tesla and Facebook, but it's a fight to get people back into the office. But we tell them truthfully that when you come to Aurora, our workforce are not remote. They will go into the workplace. I also think that there's a case to be made for companies that are looking to amenitize their offering, right? And not just in, a, hey, we've got a cafeteria and we've got a gym, but you know, we have a master developer building out trails, right? And, mm-hmm. and connecting uh, that to, to their park, to their industrial park, right? And so those employees that are gonna be there, perhaps thousands of them eventually when it's all built out and millions of square feet, They'll have those kind of amenities, and they'll have you know maybe basketball court to to go enjoy. And honestly, it's it's all going to be woven in that it's going to be a couple miles away from future residential, and maybe some res- future residents can even take advantage of of those trail systems that uh, uh, business parks build out. The projects and the developments are creating these amenities, realizing that you know they still want to get people out there, um, and if the employees want what Yuri just said, they have to build to that. So there are some shifts now in in the mentality of of the workplace. I'm sure each project is unique and and this may not have a standard answer, but typically how long does it take to see the final development of a project from from the point you have that initial conversation with the developer? You know, for most Coloradans, it seems like development pops up overnight, but there is a longer process, I imagine, that takes place behind the scenes. Yeah, a lot of it isn't uh, newsworthy, but yeah, that's a, it's a great point, Dave. <laughs> that we we work on deals for years and years at a time, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, some deals come in and it's a quick turnaround because they can find some space and improve it to their standards and get some product in, and they're in six mo- within six months up and running. Other projects, uh, yeah, three, four years. I think six, seven years isn't a surprise. The Gaylor took even longer longer than that. There's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot of negotiation, a lot of businesses that just aren't 
as well versed as we all are in with the community and they need to take some time to learn about it right and they they can't just look at some pamphlets and understand the breadth and depth of aurora and right. so we need to constantly you know remind them of this and that and those demographics and here's where this company can can help you here's where this uh, association group can can come in and and provide some resources so yeah typically uh it's it's a multi-year process i'd say being a planner you know the project window was very different you saw sort of the last 50 percent of the race or the job but now in the economic development role you know i get to be in the room with the decision makers and hearing the planning before it even gets into the city review and there's there's a lot that goes into it and it is years it turns out but uh it's it's cool to watch and, and to be part of that when you think about aurora's development it's easy to think about the vast plots of land near the gaylord rockies and southlands and to be sure there's a lot of excitement about those areas uh, but there's been a concerted effort to revitalize and develop wards one and three which is essentially the colfax corridor and the town center area you could argue that's the heart of aurora in your view what what makes those areas so important to to amplify especially right now so with ward one in particular i mean that's the the original part of the city, in my opinion, it's the cultural heart of the city. You have old, you have new, all blending together. So I, I think it's important to take a nuanced approach to it, but the development is happening here, whether you know people like it or not, it, it's already here, but it's balancing the old with the new. I mean, you've got a lot of old establishments on East Colfax, La Cueva, La Morena, people still go there, mm -hmm. but people are also going to the newer establishments like the Bond and Butter, which is my favorite bakery in the city, <laughs> uh, Cerebral, Lady Justice. So you're seeing that balance of the old and the new. You're seeing more gatherings taking place in Fletcher Plaza, and I think that's something that's been missing for a long time. Let's get the neighborhood out. Let's get the residents out, whether, you know, there are a lot of differences here, there are a lot of diversity in Ward 1, and celebrating that and getting everybody out to Fletcher Plaza, like that's that's great. Uh, it's been fun to see. Ward 3, uh, the town center of Aurora, great opportunities there, I think largely because of what they're doing at the mall, how they're transforming it, but also with the light rail stations that are right mm -hmm. there. I mean, that is a good opportunity to densify that area a bit more, get more residents there, put more housing there, and really um, build it up and get more people there. And what a lot of transit-oriented development uh, looks like is residential and retail and then the commercial comes in right with the employers and the you know mid-rise office building so you know we're we're constantly uh trying to promote metro center uh as that destination for a lot of groups with you know the light rail coming back to life i think it will really stand out as as a place to be and to jonathan's answer a little bit with ward one ward three what they are and what they could become it's an, an identity right it's it's that's what is is the message that i think we can bring to the table when uh, people and site selectors and consultants look at demographics of a particular ward or the city but we can talk to the specific businesses the specific histories of why a development is there or why it isn't there mm -hmm. and we can educate them on what happened whether it was politically or, or just community-based and that gives them a sense of aurora much better than what's on paper and what's advertised and that's part of our jobs too and some of those wards have an existing identity you look at the havana corridor i mean 
they know who they are mm-hmm. and they do what they do very well. And people come there because you can find food and restaurants there that you can't find throughout the metro area. So they know very, very much of who they are. Um, and it makes our job easier to just say, if you're here for lunch, you should see the Havana Court or you should go to some of the restaurants there because that is a slice of Aurora and it's not manufactured. It's very authentic uh, and they've been doing it for a long time. And and folks outside of the Aurora Denver metro area are taking note on Havana Street has been given accolades as one of the best food districts in the entire country. And, and we talk a lot about diversity on this podcast. That's one of the value propositions that I think Aurora offers. It's a great asset to our city. Uh, we're also home to Colorado's largest immigrant community. Unfortunately, these groups are often economically vulnerable. How as a city can we balance growth and progress? Well, while also ensuring these communities can benefit and thrive as well. For a lot of what we do, it's to provide job opportunities to everybody, right? The companies who move here, they want to know where the workforce is. So it's our job to connect them with workforce development centers, immigrant groups who, who just want to go to work and really bridge that, that gap, because I think that is a strength of ours. And companies that we're talking to now, they want a diverse workforce. They don't want everybody to look the same. Uh, with a diverse workforce, you get different cultural understandings, you get different perspectives, you get different languages spoken um, and better opportunities. There. And creativity, right? Mm-hmm. And ideas. And, you know, you get to sit in the, the whether it's the cafeteria or on the work floor and, and figure out things that, you know, you might not have if, you know, you didn't come from a different place or have different family values or whatever it is. And I think a perfect example of uh, one of these cases is we helped CTDI. So they're in Gateway Park, which is a mixed use uh, park, but this is the industrial part of it. And they were looking to expand and they talked to us about workforce needs and, and what that meant to them. And, and if they could find the 50 people that uh, we wanted, that they wanted. And so we went and talked to the general manager and a, a lot of folks over there. And we realized that they have folks from, I, I think it's like 40 different countries uh, working there. Wow. And we thought, what a great opportunity to kind of hone in on that uh, identity of theirs and really create something. And so we partner, we're partnering them with the workforce development centers, with the immigrant uh, groups uh, in town to really uh, advertise that, hey, there's career opportunities here and there's upskilling opportunities here and, you know, go go get a good job and see what that's like here. And for people, whether they're new to Aurora, new to Colorado, new to the U.S. or not, uh, it just seems like a great place to work. One of the uh, cornerstone economic engines in Aurora is the Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. They recently unveiled plans to expand. For for a visitor, it's an impressive place to visit and stay, but can you articulate to a resident listening how valuable it is for Aurora to have a a cornerstone like the Gaylord as an economic force? It's extremely valuable. It's it's a crown jewel of ours. It's the spot to go to for outside of the state conventions and and visitors and for everybody else here. Uh, You can take your family to the water park and you can go uh, enjoy the the restaurants there and just enjoy the amenity that it is uh, i think what it also signals to the broader community whether it's it's here or the business community not here we can figure out complex projects and deals and and we're a place and a destination that warrants and, and has uh, you know has the ability to attract people here because of of what 
we've been able to do as a community. And I think for people that uh, have seen it, whether driving to and from the airport or have just heard about it uh, on the news for whatever reason, or they're um, they're advertising, you know, their their winter festival and all of that. I think I say go check it out and, mm-hmm. and see what kind of amenity it is and uh, how fun you how much fun you can have with your family and understand that it's there as an anchor as a you know jewel or a cornerstone like you said to to really advertise to other businesses and to other folks that Aurora has made it onto the stage. We've attracted a, a world-class development. We have a lot of people coming in and out and we're ready and open for business that these conferences spend time talking about with, mm-hmm. the, with the people that come in and out. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to to blend uh, business and residential. People want to be there, right? Yeah. To Yuri's point, people fly in from across the country uh, to go to a conference there. That, that's a that's a big deal for Aurora. Of course, not to be overshadowed is the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus, which by itself, I believe, generates more revenue than the entire Colorado ski industry. Uh, what's the broader impact the campus will have in shaping Aurora's future? I think we're seeing the campus becoming a true mixed use campus, not just where you're there from eight to five and you leave, but where you can have dinner, you can go to the brewery there. Uh, and with the new hotel opening, there will be more of that nightlife activity. I, I think of the question that was asked last week at the Visit Aurora annual meeting, and he asked the audience or, or the people on stage, you know, what's the nightlife scene here like? Where, where do you go afterwards? And I, we're seeing that happening on the campus, which I think is, is pretty exciting, but also from an employment standpoint, right? If you're a professor, you can teach there, but you can work on your clinical trials and you can also live there too. So you're seeing this this balancing out of a 24-hour day and it all happens there. And from a competitive standpoint, right, you, you have other life sciences, healthcare clusters in the country, right? There's a handful of them and, and we're there right at the top of the list when you think of, okay, where do I go, whether it's health-related, whether it's research-related, whether it's school-related. And now private sector has is putting in a lot of money into the labs and the bioscience buildings that the Fitzsimmons Innovation community is building to accommodate those needs. And so the the northern half of that campus aren't hospitals in the medical school. It's private sector trying to solve problems just like the, the public sector is. And so there's a lot of venture capital coming in. There's about uh, 80 companies out there um, doing you know creative problem solving every day. And I think we've really made the news uh, more recently uh, than ever about the the innovation happening there and the partnerships uh, because like Jonathan said, you can kind of cross pollinate with uh, the, the hospitals and the university folks that are there and, and blend with them and, and talk through issues and, and figure things out. And you have the backing of the private sector that's finally starting to realize, okay, this is a good cluster here uh, of companies and talent and resources that we can uh, that we can invest in. Similarly, uh, Buckley Space Force Base is, is a huge economic driver as well and serves as an anchor for a thriving aerospace industry here in Aurora. There's always fear of the government consolidating and eliminating bases. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how important the base is and how the AEDC is able to help influence its vitality? From an employment standpoint, I mean, there are about 14,000 employees on the base on any given day. Similarly to the Anschutz Medical Campus, their economic contribution is in the billions. I think it's 1.3 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then also you look at the impact it has on secondary industries like the aerospace and defense. So private companies who do business with the Department of Defense and the federal government want to be next to Buckley, like Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin. They all have buildings next to, to the Space Force Base. So it's crucial to, to keep them there and to keep them uh, growing. Yeah, extremely important partner of our community. A lot of veterans here, uh, whether they were on Buckley or not, right? But the, that's a good tie in the community. And uh, what I'll also add is, you know, with with Space Force and all of that uh, g- growing, right, as a as a need for our country and our world. You know, folks at Buckley were the first to detect the missiles flying into Ukraine. So I don't think that's ever going away. To answer that part of your question, I think there's always going to be a need to, to protect and defend. And I think that mission there is, is obviously of utmost importance. And I think the city and, and the development community will continue to support that anyway and obviously benefit from it as well. It's not just a single use base either. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different groups that are there, military groups that are there, a lot of different missions that are being held there. So I think the diversity of uses on the base will make it hopefully stay here for a while and it's really cool to see the jets taken off from there i'm not gonna <laughs> lie about that it's pretty awesome for what you're allowed to divulge in a public forum like this what are some of the projects going on right now that you're particularly excited about yeah that's a great question uh jonathan alluded to some emerging industries right that we're seeing with you know battery manufacturing um you know, hydrogen cells are coming into the into the play more and more. Uh, I think smart factories, um, the IoT 6G world that we're all getting into will continue to grow and Aurora will continue to go after those kind of industries. We've been successful at getting a few data centers here and I think that industry is positioned to to really continue to to take off with, with everything that we're doing. So those are some of the industries. In addition to that, some of the types of companies coming here, turbine companies, 5G pole manufacturer, a smart pallet company, and then we're getting a lot of battery inquiries. And hopefully one of these days we're going to land an EV related company. So a company who provides parts for electric vehicles or something like that. But based on the inquiries we're getting, one of these days we will get one. It's pretty exciting, the types of companies. But I think one of the common threads are technology and manufacturing. We're seeing companies blending those two together. So it's the production floor on the bottom, it's the office where the engineers are, and they're working together under one roof. So that's that's been neat. Go on a little journey with me. You're at Aurora Reservoir digging through the sand at the beach. Yes, we have a beach in Aurora. And you uncover a genie's lamp, and you can instantly manifest new <laughs> assets for the cities that would materialize. What, what would be on your, your genie wish list? Probably an underground water spring that just continuously <laughs> provides oh. millions of gallons to the Aurora Reservoir. All joking aside, I mean, greater water resources were an arid climate as as you and all of your listeners know a lot of the companies that we're talking to have a, a higher intensity of water needs because they're making something so they use the water to cool it down um, so more water someday hopefully a, a more technical workforce uh, with the manufacturers coming there are technicians required there's manufacturing skills required. And I just think that as a society, we didn't do a good enough job promoting manufacturing as a viable career choice to our kids. Uh, And now it's here, they're paying really well, but I think we're a couple years behind. I think we're gonna get there uh, with schools, uh, Aurora Public School, their STEM programs, Cherry Creek Innovation School, 
plus industries want to talk to the students. They want to meet with them as early as middle school, right? To let them know what we're doing. Hey, we're building satellites. Don't you want, you know, kids get excited about that. Robots, right? Drones. I mean, all of those things that didn't exist decades ago when I was a young lad uh, are here now. So I think, but we need to build up that workforce quicker to, to meet those needs. Yeah, and I think uh, Jonathan makes an excellent point. Talent is uh, number one on everybody's list, right? And so I'll I'll comment on number two, housing. So if we could just you know snap our fingers and, and build a hundred thousand homes uh, that are attainable and and ready to move into, that solves a lot of our problems uh, here in the metro area, not just Aurora. And companies that we talk to always comment on you know median prices and how do we plan for our uh, pipeline of folks, even if they're coming out with college degrees or if they're coming out with associates degrees or no degrees. That we're just you know what's the what are the pace scales, right? And we're talking to companies that usually pay $75,000 on average, you know, into the six figures a lot of the time, and they're still concerned, right, of where we're going with the housing issues. So I think if we could just uh, snap our fingers and build some houses, that'd that'd be my wish. I imagine at the AEDC, it's an incredibly exciting time. Uh, As visionaries and leaders of the city, if you could gaze into a crystal ball and, and tell us what Aurora looks like 5, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, this is a great question because it's what we do is, you know, we're we're aiding in the process of a lot of commercialization, right? And and it's it's people's lives, but it's it's also really uh, the the ability to to create and be productive in our society, and that's really noble of of us to to you know think that we can be uh, insightful enough to help these companies out with. And I think you know, there's in 20 years, I would not be surprised if there are some uh, major cures that were founded um, at Anschutz, you know, for whether it's cancer or whatever else. And I wouldn't be surprised if we are seeing uh, space vehicles being launched into uh, suborbits out of the Colorado Air and Space Port. Uh, that technology and that industry is, is going to continue to grow and, and attract uh, a lot of people and a lot of, of money. And I think we'll see sooner than that probably the the attraction of a lot of campus style headquarters regional type uh, offices that will really change the the face of Aurora and it won't be thought of okay you've got you know Anschutz and Buckley and you've got a lot of uh, logistics uh, industry here and you've got you're next to DIA and you know you've got some strange spaceport out there but I think everything that's pushing east of U470 will become the fabric of the entire metro area mm-hmm. and woven into it and and it's not going to be the the outskirts on the eastern plains it's going to be part of uh, the metro area as, as an outer ring community that has a great mix of residential and uh, amenities and most importantly for us at least uh, the commercial sector uh, having a base there and contributing to to our community let me throw out two you fly in to dia you go to the gaylord for a conference and then you get in a space taxi that <laughs> takes you over i-70 in the traffic to one of the mountains put on some skis you ski for a few hours call your space taxi it drops you off at yeah, the gaylord. forget about tunnels yeah 
I like it. The other one is uh, a mini United Nations in Aurora. So think about it. Somebody from every country in the world mm -hmm. living in Aurora, mini United Nations. I love both of those visions. That's that's great. Thank you for indulging me on that. Uh, you can learn more about the Aurora Economic Development Council at auroraedc.com. Yuri Gorla, Vice President of the AEDC, and Jonathan Woodward, Director of Development. Thank you both for taking the time to talk to us today. Appreciate it. Great to be here. Thanks for having us, David. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250-plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit, from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention, to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.